world wide. He swam in closer. The boat, unlike the ship, had settled on an even keel and was to all appearances undamaged. It might have been floating on the surface rather than resting on the bottom. There was a cockpit aft and a cabin in the forepart. The cockpit was abandoned, but whether or not the same could be said of the cabin was impossible to be sure without investigating further. Fletcher decided to investigate further. The door of the cabin was closed, but it was neither jammed nor locked. Under the pressure of Fletcher's hand, it swung slowly and a shade reluctantly inward. He floated in the doorway, peering into the interior. Diffused light filtered in through the windows on either side, revealing the bodies in their various attitudes of death. He felt a sense of shock and an impulse to retreat, to get back to the surface as quickly as possible, to the fresh air and the warm sunshine. Nevertheless, he stayed there. He counted the bodies carefully and made the total five, two blacks and three whites. Five dead men in a sunken boat. And again, why? Why all in the cabin? Had they made no attempt to escape? Had they remained there passively waiting to be drowned without so much as a struggle? Or had they perhaps not been drowned? Could there possibly be some more sinister explanation for their presence there? He steeled himself and moved into the cabin and came to the first man. The man was lying on his back, stretched out as though sleeping. But it would be a long, long sleep for him. Fletcher took a closer look and saw the hole in the man's head where the bullet had gone in. And he didn't like what he saw. He had a feeling that he had stumbled on something which it might be wiser to forget. For his own good, it might be best to get out of that cabin at once and never come back, never breathe a word about what he had seen, never. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't leave the thing like that, however much it might have been in his own interests, to do so. It was just not possible. He examined the other bodies one by one. Each man had been shot in the head, probably at close range with a small-caliber pistol. It looked like an execution rather than a fight as though perhaps the men had been taken by surprise. But by whom? And for what reason? Who were these dead men? Fletcher had come down with the intention of photographing an old ship sunk by a U-boat in 1942, and he had all the necessary equipment. Instead, he took pictures of five dead men and the boat that was their coffin. When he left the cabin, he was careful to close the door behind him to protect the bodies, to prevent them from escaping? He himself would have found it difficult to provide an answer. You find anything? Joby asked, helping Fletcher to take off the aqualung. Joby Thomas was a real black negro, six feet tall and with about as much fat on him as you would find on a wire nail. They were on board his motorboat, Snow Queen, and it might have been said that he was doing only what he was being paid to do. Only he would have done it anyway, because he was John Fletcher's very good friend. It wasn't a friendship of very long standing, about six months or so, which was the length of time Fletcher had been resident on the island, and during which time he had been lodging with the Thomases. Joby, his wife Paulina, and the two kids, Willie and Millie. A few months before that, Fletcher had come into a legacy on the death of an uncle. Nothing very big but enough to persuade him to pack in his job with an insurance company and pull up roots. He was twenty-five and unattached, 
so why not make use of the money while he could still enjoy life, rather than stow it away in some bank or building society, or even in shares that might go up but could as easily slide down? He decided to go out to the West Indies and write a book. He had never thought of writing a book until that moment, but it seemed a good thing to do. The legacy wasn't going to last forever, and he would need to make some more money somehow. So why not make it by writing, which was surely as easy a way as any? After six months, he had still not started on the book. There were so many other things to do, and there was no hurry. He would wait for some ideas to bubble up from the subconscious, which was a well-known breeding ground for ideas. Jot down a few notes, let the thing germinate. It looked like being a slow germination, but never mind. Life was good. Life, in fact, had never been better. I've found a ship, he said. Joby nodded.